2: even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the chumba life. No purchase necessary. BDW. Void prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. It could have been like this.
3: Oh, mysterious primate of the woods. I know our love is forbidden, but let us join our bodies and form a new tribe of hairy ape men with the wisdom of man and the power of beasts. Yeah, girl, you know it. We're going to mix your
4: mitochondrial DNA all up in my nuclear DNA. Or it could have been like this.
3: Oh, mysterious primate of the woods, I have told you already that no means no.
2: I'm sorry, I don't understand your complex spoken language, but I do have a biological imperative right here.
4: Or it could have been like this. Um... I've got several DNA samples here that purportedly came from Bigfoot.
3: Great! I'll just stick them here in this DNA thing in my bobby. This is unbelievable. What is it? It says this is human DNA.
4: You mean we received a contaminated sample?
3: No, it means that Bigfoot's a hybrid between prehistoric Native Americans and a mystery ape.
4: Interesting. I believe this calls for a celebration. Can we get to the bottom of this mystery? Stay tuned. It's actually quite unlike
0: anything we've ever seen before.
4: Welcome to Monster Talk, the science show about monsters. It's been a while since our last episode, and that's been to an interesting mix of bad fortune and scheduling issues. But we're back, and the technical issues are almost fixed to the point that we can get back to our target of two episodes a month. One hopes. Today, Ben Radford, Karen Stolzno, and myself, Blake Smith, rejoin our very first guest on Monster Talk, Dr. Todd Disotel. We're discussing the strange press release which hit the streets in late November. In this release, it's claimed that Bigfoot has been identified by its DNA, that the creature is a hybrid between humans and another mystery ape, and that its genome has been sequenced. It's an astonishing claim, and at least as plausible as two guys from Georgia catching a Bigfoot and getting it in their freezer. Well, it's been a few weeks. Let's just get to the
0: Monster dog.
4: This is such a strange story. I've been following this whole Melba Ketchum story. Well, like like forever. It just seems like it's been several years that there's been this. It could be as much as five years that people have been talking about this DNA paper and this DNA research. So
0: yeah, according to the stuff I've read, it's um about five years long. Yeah, in study.
4: It's been a while, and I've never seen anything. Uh, you know, beyond rumors. Mm-hmm. And then suddenly, um, Igor Burstav, who is um, well, he's the head of the Russian Institute of Hominology, right? But right. I know him mostly as a Bigfoot researcher, and mm-hmm. uh, I, I some of the things he's latched onto and supported have seemed uh, dubious. Dubious. There, dubious is so, yeah. There was a woman I, I can't think of her name off the top of my head. Uh, who claimed? I think she lived in Tennessee, and she claimed that Bigfoot came to her and talked to her daily.
1: Oh
0: yeah,
4: yeah. And uh, and and she seemed like a very nice woman. I'll say that.
0: There are a few of them around.
4: <laughs> yeah, yeah. She seemed very nice. Um, I found her statements um, dubious. Oh, okay, I, I was going to go with preposterous, but okay, we'll go with dubious. Okay.
1: Well, just try to be polite here.
4: Yeah, and and uh, among her claims was that Bigfoot uh, had a speech. Uh, that anyway, so yeah, so she claimed that Bigfoot could talk, had a language, and I think most people in the Bigfoot world, serious Bigfooters, uh, um, thought that was an unlikely uh, thing to be true. Igor latched on. If I understood it correctly, he was living on her property, trying to help learn more about Bigfoot, <laughs> and um, yeah. That, yeah, that, that's that's
1: uh, that's how I remember the story was that, you know, she was claiming these, you know, just full onset contact with with these uh, these Bigfoot creatures that were, again, in, in her backyard, which oddly enough, she never seemed to be able to get any you know definitive proof of whether in the form of, you know, good photographs or, or video or anything else like that. It was always this. Well, they're shy. The weird thing about this story was that um, that for a lot of people, this was like fresh and brand new. Uh, you know, I did an interview or two and they're like, oh, well, this is so this is big news. I'm like, "Well, this is actually kind of old news. You know, let me let me let me give you the context here. Uh, not only, you know, is is the idea of Bigfoot DNA being offered as evidence old news. I mean, I I re- first read about that, you know, 10, 15 years ago. Um, but as, as Karen pointed out, Ketchum has been promising this stuff for going on five years now. So. Um it's it's just sort of funny how the outside world, the the, the non Bigfoot world, this is like, you know, breaking news to the rest of us is like, yeah, all right, how's that going?
0: I mean, they're kind of like the Raelians of the Bigfoot world.
1: Right,
4: exactly.
0: Making A good analysis.
4: Yeah, so right. <laughs> so there's I also wanted to address this thing. There's um there's been this weird internet chatter about uh angel DNA being mentioned in the original uh, Ketchum paper. And so I tried to track this back and see where it was coming from. And most of the web pages that we're talking about it linked back to a blog by a guy named Robert Lindsay. And he said that he had heard from uh, another source, an unnamed source, that Nevada millionaire and Bigfoot enthusiast Wally Hersom had uh, seen the pre publication paper and that it mentioned DNA, which didn't exist in any database, hence, Angel DNA. But I thought Uh before we speculate on what angel DNA is or dismiss the whole paper based on the idea that she may have mentioned angel DNA, I think we should probably note that all of these are second, third or fourth hand stories and nothing published that I've been able to find with her name on it or associated with her has had any reference to such a thing. So. I don't know if that's real or if that's just other people trying to make her work dismissed. There is a lot of petty rivalry in the Bigfoot world.
3: Mm-hmm.
4: And um, and people, although I think uh, Melba does a lot to um, diminish her own um, authority.
1: Credibility.
4: Credi- credibility. Thank you. Yeah. I think she does a lot to, to diminish her own credibility. But um, this sort of thing is probably an unnecessary cherry on top because I I, I really can't find any uh, thing to tie this to her beyond
0: rumor monster dog
4: can you guys hear me yes. yes yes we can yes well 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 it's good to have you back uh yeah
0: yeah, so, yeah we haven't had a show out for a while have we how, how
4: are you doing karen
0: i'm doing well well i saw you You're on your like, facebook page uh,
5: on your honeymoon right
0: oh i wish uh no that was about two days long Back in September, so um, well, two but months technically
5: into it. It goes for a year. Technically.
0: Uh, Rudy had three years of it, so.
5: Yeah, well, I mean, I had five before it, but, you know.
0: Yeah. <laughs> no, it's still still going well. I'll keep you Perfect. informed. Good.
4: If, you're, if your honeymoon lasted for two days, that's like a day and 23 hours and 58 minutes longer than
0: mine. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I believe
5: that. <laughs> well, that. That's why I was out of contact all weekend. I was trying to relive mine after 25, well, actually 30 years. We tried to relive that this weekend in New Orleans. But,
0: yeah, yeah, I uh, saw the pictures.
4: Well, that, it's, that's, a, that's a nice town. That's a nice town. So uh, just uh, you know, for people who haven't been listening to Monster Talk in a while or missed episode one, Uh, Tonight, we're talking with Dr. Todd Dissotel. And Todd's a professor of anthropology at New York University, and he specializes in the study of human origins from a variety of approaches. His research includes the study of molecular origins of man from our ancestors and looks at various branches of ancient and living relatives. In this research, he's also been active in examining claims that various modern hominins exist that have not been formally cataloged by science, which we call cryptids, such as Bigfoot, Yeti, and the Oring Pindak. How's that?
5: That sounds perfect. Cool. Oh, don't forget the uh, Almas or whatever.
4: Yeah, Almosty or
5: yeah, almosti, yeah, almosti, yeah. whatever. There,
4: yeah, well, there's cryptids everywhere, right? So uh, yeah, yeah. We, we... Have you actually read Henry Gee, the editor of Nature's new
5: sci-fi trilogy? No, oh, no. it's called the Sigil trilogy. Henry Gee, the editor of Nature, has written this three-volume sci-fi thing, and it's got, like, ten different cryptids in it. They In, like, 2050, they reveal themselves. And so uh, there are all sorts of cool ones in it. It's, it's a really fascinating uh, sci-fi series of books that... Where it's not redonculous, the the technical details of the science are extremely accurate. The whole story is redonculous, but you know mm-hmm. when he talks about specific artifacts or methods, they are accurate. But you know he's got Pendex are in it, and the almus are in it, the Yeti, Sasquatch, uh, all the guys are in it.
0: Unicorn.
4: No, nothing. not the chup- Not the Chupacabra, though, because Ben demonstrated those aren't real. <laughs>
1: That's right. That's right.
4: So, Maybe it'll be in
1: the follow-up trilogy.
4: So, so before we get into the nitty-gritty of the whole Melba Ketchum uh, saga, I, I'd like to make sure we cover a few terms because I think they're going to pop up in the discussion. Okay. So one of the ones uh, listening to a recent interview with you on the Bigfoot show, I heard you talk about hominins. And I'd always heard hominids, and I did a little research and saw that that's, a, I guess, a newer term. Can you explain the difference between a hominin, a hominid, and and just, and since I know it may come up later, what's a pungent?
5: Yeah, so over the last 20 years or so, as we've used genomics and genetics to understand our relationships with our relatives better, If you go back to the 70s and maybe early 80s, if you were referring to an Australopithecine, you know, Lucy or now, say, Ardipithecus, Ardi, and those, you would have referred to them as hominids, but we have figured out, without the fossil record, using the genetic record, that we are so much more closely related to chimpanzees and gorillas as well as orangutans than we once thought we were, if you want to be fair taxonomically, we have moved, if you will, up a level in the taxonomic hierarchy from a hominid, sort of this subfamily level, to the hominins, if you will, the tribal level. So. Technically, the best way that the vast majority of anthropologists, paleontologists would refer to humans and our closest relatives since we split from the chimpanzee, we would refer to them as hominins. In fact, I had the delight slash horror of helping uh, Merriam-Webster update their dictionary that will be online shortly, so that the word hominin will refer to just humans, australopithecines, homo erectus, and other things, and hominid will refer to the so-called great apes, humans, chimps, gorillas, And depending on your theoretical proclivities, orangutans as well, and the other term you used was pongid, or pongid, pongid, I'm not sure of the pronunciation. It depends which side of the Mason-Dixon line I think you're on, or at least which side of the Atlantic, um, or Australia however the case may be, Um, that would be just orangutans and their relatives, such as Gigantopithecus, and if you believe some people, Bigfoot, Yeti, and other large-bodied cryptids, if they are related to Gigantopithecus. So, Panjid would be orangs and their relatives who split from us well, over 12 million years ago, hominids would include humans, chimpanzees, and gorillas, and some people, orangutans. And hominins would just be humans or the genus Homo, the genus Australopithecus, and if you believe in the others, Paranthropus, Kenyanthropus, Artipithecus, but post 6 million year split from chimpanzee. So hominin is the new hominin or hominin is the new hominid.
4: And hominy is still for dinner whereas hominy grits are for breakfast. I guess. No, in
5: fact, in <laughs> fact, hominy would
4: just be humans without chimps. You you would not be saying that if you lived near a waffle house. <laughs> Yeah,
5: well, I was just side your on again. Weekend. So I, I, being on a low carb diet, I turned down the grits on all three breakfasts. But um, yes, hominy uh, would be the sub tribe that is purely. Since humans and chimps are more closely related to each other than gorillas, you need a group that includes humans and chimps that excludes gorillas. And so some people would call hominines. uh, It's this is obscure science geek talk. Hominines would include humans and chimps. Hominini would be humans, and Panini would be chimps. Wow! But this is really
2: geeky.
1: No, no wonder Merriam-Webster wanted you. Wow.
0: Yeah. (laughs) I wanted to ask about that, too, because my background is partially in lexicography. You mentioned some of the horrors of updating the dictionary entry. What were those?
5: Well, they got lots of archaic terminology. First of all, it seems like all of our ancestors were men. Peking man, Java man, Cowboy man, Rhodesian Mm -hmm. man, Heidelberg man.
1: Hildown man. Huh? (laughs) Chill down, man.
5: Yeah, somehow there were no women in our evolutionary history. Mm -hmm. So that was one horror of correcting it. But also some of these terms were 30, 40, 50 years old. And some of the really ancient 1940s and 50s thinking we're still there in the dictionary. Because I can't remember the last version, but it's like 30 years ago, maybe 40. But not every term has always been updated. So I was dealing, they they gave me, I had 240 different terms they wanted me to deal with. Mm-hmm. And I had to go back and do like historical analysis on what the hell is this? And Oh, in 1930, they were calling, so like the pre-Sapiens theory and stuff like that. So in dealing especially with Neanderthals, how did we think about Neanderthals in the 30s and 20s and 40s? Um, We don't use any of that terminology now, but it's still there in the dictionary. And I went back and forth with trying to get them to remove certain terms, which they're loath to do, because you might pick up a 1945 treatise and you need to know what that word means. And so, you know, the typical thing was no longer in common usage. <laughs> mm-hmm. So. I couldn't get I couldn't expunge a term but I could turn it into a no longer in common usage.
0: Yeah, it's very interesting. It's very difficult to get words into the dictionary or out of it.
5: Yeah, except there's some really weird stuff they keep adding every year. I see when they have that new, you know, the day where they announce the 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 word of the year or whatever. Mm-hmm. Yeah. There's some weird stuff. What, what, yeah, if
0: it's popularly in usage and it appears a lot on the internet, then they're they're more liable to put a new word in.
4: Uh, now I fear that that which I thought was feminine might be feminid.
0: Yeah, well,
5: <laughs> that that goes along with you know solo man, Java man, Peking man. <laughs>
3: <laughs>
1: Speaking of which <clears throat> um, why don 't you set the stage for us in terms of a uh, discussion of genetics, um, uh, particularly like the difference between nuclear DNA and mitochondrial DNA, especially as as regarding you know how you can uh, tell the lineage of, of different things
5: well, so we have multiple genomes embedded within ourselves that have literally different histories, so if I ask you what your heritage is, I could say, where's your mother from? And you may tell me from this country or this continent. And that's a completely accurate representation of half of your genome, of half your mm-hmm. history. But mm-hmm. I could say, where's your dad from? And it could be from a completely different place. Um Yet, that's still a completely accurate representation of you. So, within every, well, most cells of our body, I won't go into the uh, tiny exclusive you know differences, but sure. within almost every cell of your body, you have the DNA within your nucleus, and I'm, I'm going to try really hard here, I grew up in Wisconsin, and I, I pronounce this word poorly, but you're nuclear genome, not your nuclear genome. <laughs> uh, I was teased incessantly throughout grad school about nuclear DNA, but it's nuclear DNA. Um, the 46 pieces of chromatin or the 46 chromatids in your nucleus, but you also carry a special copy of DNA in your mitochondria outside of the nucleus, which is purely inherited from your mother through the maternal line called mitochondrial DNA and in almost every cell of your body you have dozens to hundreds of mitochondria in there basically think of them as little batteries of your cell they're what power the cell um, and they each carry several copies of their own genetic material independently of that in the nucleus Now, the males amongst us have a Y chromosome, the bulk of which we inherit purely from our father. Portions of it actually recombine um, with the X chromosome, but we're going to ignore that annoying um, fact. And we'll just talk about the Y chromosome as being paternally inherited. So a portion of your genome comes solely from your mother a portion of your genome comes solely from your father and the vast bulk the other 98.5% of your genome is what we call biparentally inherited or 50% of it comes from your mother or father and that's both the interesting and the confusing part because it's it's a mix so if if your mother's from Australia but your father's from Ireland Are you Irish or Australian, or are you both? And Mm -hmm. what are your kids? You know, they're both. And your grandchildren might have some French and Italian in them or whatever. So all of the different components of your genome tell you an accurate story of your past. They're just not a clean-cut story of your past.
1: Okay. Okay.
4: There's two big um Bigfoot DNA stories out there right now or seems to be. One is Dr. Brian Sykes at Oxford in the UK who's been doing a big broad analysis of uh, DNA samples or asking
5: Actually sending him data tomorrow. Awesome. It is a mountain goat from Nepal.
4: But you don't tell him that, right? You don't put mountain.
5: No. He came to town and we talked and he just, he asked me for the actual raw DNA. So I have this DNA that I got, well, a sample I got via Ian Redman of this Nepalese skull cap hair that was supposed to be a Bigfoot. Sample and when we sampled it, it turned out to be a mountain goat. Is this called the? A is, I was gonna
4: say, is this the one that has been in all the documentaries that looks like a? Uh,
5: I think so. It looks like a like a scrotum or a skull
4: cap. Skull cap. Yeah, I was thinking. thinking I yeah. upside down you, or you, right? You may need to go to a doctor.
5: <laughs> it depends if you hold it upside right. down or
4: right. <laughs> <laughs> Good point. Good point. Yeah, the uh, I've never seen it up, so I'll just have to go do a Google search now.
5: So I'm not sure if this hair I got was from this famous skull cap or not. I I literally have to go back through my notes, and I'm doing that actually tomorrow for Brian. But um, we sequenced a Nepalese sample that was supposedly from a yeti, and this. It's I can't remember if it was just on the web or if it was on one of the shows, but it was a Himalayan goral, a mountain goat.
4: Wow! And so the other big study is from uh, Melba Ketchum, and that's <coughs> okay. that's the one, <laughs> and that's the one that has been causing such a controversy. So um, instead of the study, or you know, I mean, she I, I am not aware of her asking for samples, but um, for about five years, I've been hearing rumors about this study. And suddenly we get this um, press release, yeah. sort of a so, science by press release. So what are your thoughts on this kind of tactic or, or what that says about this? So
5: first of all, I, I was blown away by this whole story for so many reasons. But um, one of my actual graduate students One of my actual graduate students, Evan Bird, who's actually a huge fan of yours, and he probably will be listening to this. Hey, Ev. (laughs) Hey. Hi. Evan was the first one to sort of show me this story because, you know... I, I hate to say I don't surf you know the the Bigfoot blogs every day um, or the crypto blogs i I wait I wait for you guys to alert me to this stuff but Evan alerted me to this story and I saw it and then all of a sudden i I must have fifty emails and twenty Facebook postings about have you seen this and um my very first reaction, without literally even reading it, was, oh, this is going to be bad. Science by press (laughs) release. Which is just... It's bad. I mean, just pure evil. I mean, because without any vetting, any other thing... And the other question is, who's doing the press release? And from what I can determine, this is a for-profit company Mm -hmm. of hers or that she's at least associated with put out this press release. And so, again, you know, I don't want to sound like some elitist scientist, you know, at a research university, but the profit motive is – dangerous to science Um, be it you know does this drug work better than that drug yes it does (laughs) you know oh yeah and I happen to be a spokesman for the company Um, so without even reading it I was instantly like oh god this is going to go south I'm not this is not going to go well but then I read it (laughs) And oh wow, there is not one component of this story that is credible. The first component of which I did, and I hate to say, I immediately jumped on to PubMed, the main scientific publication database and searched Melba Ketchum and did not find a single peer-reviewed publication by her ever. And I, as I said to other people, I'm not trying to cast aspersions on her at all. I have never met her. I don't know her. I know nothing about her. Well, now I know a little bit more, but I, Mm -hmm. I didn't at the time. And I'm just like, you're claiming to have sequenced 20 mitochondrial genomes and three complete new clear genomes and you've never published a single paper in your life where and how did you do this what how you know again how do you have the skills even if you outsourced it do you know how to interpret the data I mean, we just got back in my lab uh, a new next-gen, you know, a multi-gigabase set of data that we just put out last week. Well, we sent out last week and got the results back just in the last few days, you know, three gigabases of DNA, which is literally an entire genome. But I hate to say we're kind of experts at this, and there's demonstrable proof that we know what we're doing to have somebody say i got three bigfoot genomes and 20 complete mitochondrial genomes without any evidence of their scientific acumen or did this company do it themselves did they outsource it what technology was used there's no data you know is this illumina is this selexa is you know there there's a dozen technologies to sequence genomes now that press release was the least informative press release it's like romney's tax returns you know <laughs> it there's no data how i can't evaluate it but i can evaluate maybe where it came from and where it came from has
1: no data. Mm-hmm. So well, she does, as it recall, I me, mean, she does claim that she's a veterinarian. I, I don't doubt that she is, but the, you know, this is one of the problems that I see is that I, I don't doubt that she's a perfectly good veterinarian, but yeah, I, I don't that, know that, that veterinarians have any particular, difference. well, that's they, 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 exactly right.
5: I mean, my vet, when I had my dog neutered and I was about to do a chupacabra, you know, test, I asked him for my dog's balls and he gave them to me so that I could have painted DNA to test it. And all my new grad students are horrified when the old grad students say, hey, look, here's Todd's dog's balls. But he gave me a free set of cat ones, too, because nobody
4: Do you, do you keep it next to the uh, Yeti ball sack? <laughs>
5: No, it was actually next to my two sons' placentas, but, you know, they weren't going to use them, and we needed DNA. (laughs) And, hey, they are my sons. Hey, good job.
1: (laughs) Well done, sir. Well done.
5: Fourteen locusts match.
0: (laughs) I've got a big quote here. Uh, It's the the money quote from her uh, press release. Uh, So our study has sequenced 20 whole mitochondrial genomes and utilised next-generation sequencing to obtain three whole nuclear genomes from purported Sasquatch samples. The genome sequencing shows that Sasquatch mtDNA is identical to modern Homo sapiens, but Sasquatch Nudna is a novel, unknown hominin related to Homo sapiens and other primate species. Our data indicate that the North American Sasquatch is a hybrid species, the result of males of an unknown hominin species crossing with female Homo sapiens. So, can you possibly help us unpack that? What does that no. mean?
5: <laughs> <laughs> I mean, no. I mean, that's that's the short answer. Except the longer answer <laughs> is okay. You have purported, as they say, or whatever the term she used, Sasquatch DNA is identical to human. Mm -hmm. Mitochondrial DNA. So does Sasquatch have, was it a hybrid with modern females, which would be one interpretation, (laughs) or like, 50% of the Sasquatch samples I have sampled myself or sequenced myself, not sampled, sequenced myself where they turned out to be completely within the range of modern humans is this modern human contamination. Um, So there's no, well, I think they mention it in a way that like doesn't prove they ruled it out. So, Just having modern human mitochondrial DNA isn't enough to say, you know, these guys were hybridizing. When then they say unknown primate DNA, how do they know that? I mean, again, without data, you know, I I hate to keep coming back to the concept of data, but, you know...
1: This damn is, you. Damn you, expecting data. What's wrong with you? This is what we
5: do in science. We analyze data. <laughs> and with no data, I can't refute them. I can't support them. I can't do anything. But one of the things they said was an unknown primate species or hominin And if I'm not mistaken, it somewhere said 15,000 years ago. And I can't remember, Karen, if that was directly in the quote you just read or another No, it's
4: in in another paragraph. Yeah,
5: Yeah. But they said 15,000 years ago. Well, we've been us, you and me and, you know, so Ben, Blake, Karen and I and everybody else on the planet has been us for at least 200,000 years. And so 15,000 years is it's a drop in the evolutionary bucket. It's Anything split from us 15,000 years ago is us. Anything hmm. split from us in the last 200,000 years ago is us. So that's where, like, my hackles, is that a word? Yeah. My hackles got raised (laughs) was when that 15,000-year date was proposed because that's us. I mean, that could be a Native American. That could be anything. And when they say different, different from what, whom, you know, it again, it – I can't refute this – well, I can refute the story that there's an unknown primate that split from us 15,000 years ago. That is absolutely refutable because we were us 15,000 years ago. We were us 200,000 years ago. If if they would have said, oh, this split 1.5 million years ago – they had been smart they could have gotten away with keeping this story going for a few more months till this surreptitious peer reviewed journal <laughs> publishes it or not um, the other thing I gotta say and I hate to say it this isn't a giant field you know prime, molecular primatology I'm actually on the the board, you know, the editorial board of several journals. If, if this was really submitted to a true scientific peer reviewed journal, I'll give you a ninety-five percent probability I would have either been sent it or somebody peer review is not perfect. We talk with each other when we're not supposed to, but we do. I would have heard about this if it had literally been submitted to a legitimate peer-reviewed journal. Mm -hmm. And I'm skeptical of that claim as well. Because their best claim at the end of this is going to be, oh, they were biased against us and so they wouldn't publish it. Mm -hmm. You know? You know, but unless they show the correspondence of here's the actual submitted article, here's the proof we submitted it to journal Y or X, I'm, I, I hate to say, and again, I'm not trying to cast aspersions upon this person who I've never met, but this is not how you do science for sure. They so it. I, I just I don't believe it's been submitted to a peer-reviewed journal or if it is a peer-reviewed journal it's a peer-reviewed journal of people who are looking for Bigfoot yeah. there, there are some
4: yeah mm-hmm. yeah. I was going to say the, Ketchum so like everything that's happened with Ketchum um, she's had a lot of uh, like intermittent press releases and Facebook posts and other things that have put her into sort of the cryptological cryptozoological news. And and all of them, you know, it, it would be things like she talks about how she's been blessed with the opportunity to watch Bigfoot, but not be able to take pictures of them. And it's like, well, okay, I'm willing to let that go. If, you know that has nothing to do with her paper right it's so like if, right. if she's doing a DNA study and she thinks she sees Bigfoot every day and they're playing but she can't photograph them I'm okay with that let's see the study you know let's see the yeah. DNA let's see that let's see the results right um, in this particular I, case if, go ahead
5: if, if she's claiming that this nuke DNA is different then send me a couple thousand bases. I mean, literally, I need a couple thousand ACs, Gs, and Ts. It will take milliseconds to search that against the human and every other primate and every other known life form database to see where it falls. So, again, you can't do this by press release and make this claim. It's, you got to show... A, C, G's, and T's, and it's literally, I can sit here right at my keyboard right now. You give me 50 or 100 or 1,000 bases worth of data, in milliseconds, I'll tell you what its closest match is. and find us on Instagram, TikTok, and Twitter at ChinwagPod and Wagon. And but again, this claim of fifteen thousand year match is like well, insane or stupid, or I you know, I'm 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 trying to be politically correct here. I've been told not to use certain words anymore. <laughs> uh, That's okay. But um, 15,000 years is us. That's called Native American. You know, we crossed the Bering Strait then. You know, so, oh, it's different from my Utah Mormon database because it's a Native American database. It's not Bigfoot if it is indeed only 15 young thousand years separate sorry i mean you know right that's just again it's called data math stats probability
1: well let me let me ask this because that that's one thing that that i've always been a little fuzzy on i mean when, when somebody says that uh the samples don't match the human samples that, that they found um again we have GenBank, we have other databases and and, and data banks um, how big a? I mean, obviously, we do not have a data bank of every human on the planet. Um, so what, 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 you know, what in terms of um, uh, the nuclear DNA that have been sequenced do we have to compare any new samples to?
5: Well, in fact, we actually have over a thousand humans from around the planet, whole genomes now. Um, mm-hmm. on. And tens of thousands of mitochondrial genomes. In fact, we have Neanderthal and Denisovan genomes in the database. So, I mean, we have the last, you know, four to eight hundred thousand years in the database. Mm -hmm. And, you know, every week there are new human genomes. There's this 1,000 human genomes project, 10,000 genomes project. I I can't even tell you what tonight, well, if I log on here and look, I could probably tell you how many complete human genomes there are tonight, but it will be different on Wednesday. I mean, Mm -hmm. it will literally be different on Wednesday. We're sequencing so many of them, and but they're all available and online, and so it's not like, "Oh, I only looked at Craig Ventner and James Watson." I mean, that was the original sort of two. Right. <laughs> and now it's like well you got archbishop Tutu and you got five San bushmen and you got 12 uh, pygmies from Zaire and you I mean we got genomes up the wazoo and we can look and you know 15,000 years that's nothing that's literally the Americas, the new world. We call it the new world for a reason because it's so recent. (laughs) Mm -hmm. It's not even on our maps of human evolution. You know, the last 15,000 years when I teach human evolution, I don't even talk about the new world. I talk about getting out of Africa 50,000 years ago into Europe and Asia, and I, I never make it by the end of the semester to, you know, Oklahoma, just not on the list, because it's so recent in evolutionary times, but that's that 15,000-year date.
4: I have a quick question. I, I'm not um, in any way a biologist, but I do watch a lot of PBS, And uh, (laughs) I have a (laughs) – the last sentence in that quote says, Our data indicate that the North American Sasquatch is a hybrid species. Specifically, it's the result of males of an unknown hominin species crossing with female Homo sapiens. But previously in the quote, it says the genome sequence shows that Sasquatch mitochondrial DNA is identical to Homo sapiens. So if that's true – wouldn't the only way you could make that conclusion about the crossbreeding be that if the mitochondrial DNA came from a human, but if they were identical, how could you tell if the mitochondrial DNA came from a human or a Bigfoot?
5: No, so that that that's the only single credible point in this whole thing.
4: Cool, that's what I wanted to know because this right. PBS is because, not enough sometimes.
5: But- <laughs> if it was truly... A hybrid. So if, if Sasquatch was boffing modern females 15,000 years ago in North America, their offspring would have modern human North American DNA. And so that's what they're claiming. But their Y chromosomes and the rest of their gene, their Y chromosome would be Sasquatch, and 50% of the nuke genome would be. Sasquatch. So, the only theoretically credible part of this story is the hybridity. You know, that, and we see this all the time. We have numerous primate species that they have the mitochondrial DNA of a closely related species because, more or less, at the origin of the species. They were hybridizing because, well, when they weren't quite separate species, you know, you're just mixing and matching. But they picked up the mitochondrial DNA from one of the okay, two okay, source right. species, just, so that's credible.
4: I get it now. I'm re- I'm reading it again now. So this goes back to what Ben was asking later on. So, um, which is that. They are saying that all Sasquatches are human hybrids with some unknown other creature.
5: Well, at least the the ones they got. Yeah. <laughs> so, you know, they got they claim three Sasquatch might or nuke DNA and I presume amongst their twenty mitochondrial DNA that it's three of those mitochondrial, that that their nuke samples were also mitochondrial, so that they can make that claim, if they're at all credible. But again, that's another issue.
0: (laughs) So are we missing something, or is Ketchum actually positing two unknown animals?
5: She is positing an unknown primate 15,000 years ago. At least according to the press release, that there is an unknown primate species that's not human 15,000 years ago that, you know, hybridized with humans. And, you know, again, that's one of, well, one of many of my problems with this story is that 15,000 years ago... There is no need to posit an unknown primate species because that was us 15,000 years ago. Unless she can show me data that this primate species is many, many percent different from us, then it's us. I mean, we're, we're variable. Look around the world. We're variable people. Um, so unless she can show that this unknown species is, more, is outside the level of variation known throughout the world uh, within modern humans, then it's modern human. And if that 15,000-year date is accurate and they don't even say how they estimated that, that's Native American.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I guess that was one thing that 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 sort of got overlooked, at least uh, by some of the people. At the first glance at this is that is that they're not, you know, she's not just saying, "Oh, this is Bigfoot." She's saying that that you know, this is Bigfoot, which is a hybrid of this other. So it's not just one unknown animal. She's basically just pulling these things out of thin air, um, which was just sort of like, "Wow, okay, it's you, you couldn't just go for one Bigfoot. You had to go with Bigfoot's, you know, ancestor." Uh, but I, I, it's not
5: it's not insane we actually have and my lab itself has worked on there are multiple species of primates that look like they have arisen from hybridization mm-hmm. so and this i'm going to ignore the whole question of how do we define a species etc i'm that's that's five more episodes which you don't even want to do cuz they would be they would bore people to tears. But what, what is a species or not is one issue. But then there are clearly evidence within the order primates. And by the way, just, you know, coffee table conversation. We are primates. But if you're referring to the Latin term that I have tattooed on my forearm in Carl Zimmer's book, It's primates, is the Latin definition, the the true name of our order is the order primates. But if you and I are just talking, with a capital P, if we're just talking, we're primates. But if you're like the Pope or the Archbishop of Canterbury and wearing a pointy hat, you're a primate. But they're all spelled the same.
4: We're all primates on the companionship.
5: Yeah. (laughs) But, so... Now I've lost my thread here.
1: Well, no, I was just—I was just getting <laughs> oh, to you know,
5: no, terribly uridite. <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, I, it just struck me that, that you know she's positing this as Bigfoot, but but uh, unless I'm mistaken, it could be you know dragons or elves or leprechauns or chupacabras. I mean, right. you know, I, I, so. I, if you, if well, you're going to claim this is unknown so. DNA, then. Okay, call it unknown DNA, but of all the possible things, why would you go directly to Bigfoot unless you were trying to prove that, you know, yeah. as an end game?
5: Yeah. But again, this gets to is it a primate? But again, if it's a primate that is so similar to us, it's only separated from us by 15,000 years ago, that's us. I mean, depending on where. Ben, Blake, and Karen are from, and I'm from, you, the three, four of us, could have more than 15,000 years of separation. I mean, no problem. I mean, even, I know that we're all of European extraction. Even then, we got 50,000 years of common ancestry since we left Africa, not counting going back to Africa. So unless, you know, the other three of you are a quarter Irish, British, German, and French, I might be twenty or 25,000 years separate from one of you. But Ketchum's claiming 15,000. And as what's not clear from the press release, is this the origin of that? unknown species or is it just the origin of that hybridization event which wow. are hugely different questions but again being a really piss poorly worded press release it's not clear if that 15,000 years is the you know sasquatch rape or Origin
4: of Sasquatch. He teaches Good us point. one thing, which is if you're gonna make love to a Sasquatch, wear protection because you could spawn a whole new situation here, whole another well, press release.
5: They'll tear you in half. Yeah. <laughs> That's a whole other issue. Unless they're like gorillas.
4: Uh, no, no, no! Don't go there. What?
5: <laughs> gorillas are spectacularly unwell endowed. Yeah.
4: so what does this mean um okay okay besides the fact that it's not plausible we've kind of dug into the point now we're saying oh here's some here's part that is plausible but in the context of the whole it seems highly implausible. um what would it mean to you like if you found completely unknown dna
5: they did say unknown primate so we're we're already limiting it to that i
4: I think i missed that
5: we're we're limiting it to the last seventy million years. <laughs> right. But that's still a pretty broad, you know, rush stroke there. But no, so again, I've talked with my lab when they'll talk to me about cryptids, which is every now and then. We we have because we've done so many samples, we have puzzle it's fascinating concept. How do you identify an unknown? And we have, my lab has been involved in identifying a new subspecies of chimpanzee, a new subspecies of chimpanzee, um, new species of monkeys, even this past summer. This is a real important, interesting issue for a whole bunch of reasons. So we don't actually take this, well, we take, most of cryptozoology lightly but we still apply the very same methods to doing it so i'll hand somebody an orange pendek hair and they'll roll their eyes so i really got to do this and i'm like yeah and they will and they'll sequence it and see what it shows up and you know well it's explainable you know, it's an orang, it's a gibbon, it's a human, it's not an unknown pongid or hominin or hominid or primate. So you give me fifty bases of DNA, I'll tell you if it's primate or not. It might not be enough to tell which primate it is. I might need a hundred or a thousand bases to say it's human or it's chimp or it's gorilla or it's related to an orangutan but not an orangutan, which would be cool. I mean, that's what the speculation is. If any of this Bigfoot Yeti stuff holds, I mean, the most credible of the super long shot hypotheses is that this is Gigantopithecus. You know, because otherwise you got to turn a chimp or a gorilla or a human into an eight-foot-whatever beast. But if the most credible hypothesis is that this is related to Gigantopithecus, we know from the fossil record that Gigantopithecus is related to orangutans. And, you know, I'm perfectly—if I get a sequence of DNA that says— It's more closely related to an orangutan than a human, but it's separated from millions of years from the orangutan. There's either an unknown orangutan running around the world somewhere, or Bigfoot's real. You know, that's all it takes. Mm -hmm. You give me an orangutan... Relate uh, a sequence more closely related to an orangutan that's not an orangutan (laughs) from North America. I will become a believer, but I've not had that yet. And I got to make sure it's not just an escaped orangutan, so it can't be like orangutan DNA, you know, it can't be what's uh Clint Eastwood's buddy Clyde.
4: Clyde. Right.
5: Yeah. It can't just be Clyde's offspring. We have you know.
4: Yeah. We gotta be careful not to go off in a ring of tangent.
5: Yeah. Uh, <laughs> right <nice>. turn, Clyde.
4: <laughs> <laughs>
5: so uh, yeah, okay. You're gonna well, go
0: there. Moving on. So it seems that we know little or nothing about the origin of the samples. So how big a problem well is nothing. this?
5: We know nothing about them. So again, if this was these were blood samples, these were hair samples, they were collected in Texas, they were collected in Oregon. They, I mean, given the lack of, what's the word, data, <laughs> um, I, I would normally dismiss this except for the fact that it's on HuffPo, CNN, and BBC. It's like, dudes, don't your science correspondents vet stuff?
1: <laughs> no.
5: Right. Clearly. I mean, the Kardashians are on every day. Yeah.
1: yeah. You know, this is not a new story. Uh, you know, as, as you know, and I think all of us know, and probably many of our listeners know, the stories have been around for a long, long time about alleged DNA samples. Uh, and usually what they come back, or actually invariably what they come back, is either unknown or unidentified. So when
5: um, samples
1: D, uh, D, uh, alleged Sas- Sasquatch and Yeti samples, oh. DNA samples, and so uh, and of course, you know, as as you know, I certainly ne- never get tired of explaining to people just because something is unknown or un- unidentified doesn't mean Bigfoot. Uh, but so, so, can you give us some of the reasons why a, a given DNA sample might come back un- or un- unknown or unidentified? Well, so
5: I've done several shows and other analyses where we just literally didn't get dna out of the sample so you know i said negative or you know no dna and so it depends on if if whoever i tell that to is reporting it correctly as unknown or no dna i mean there's a huge difference unknown I can't imagine a credible version of somebody saying unknown DNA. We got a pretty damn big database here. Mm
1: -hmm. You
5: might call it bacterial or archaea or fungal or whatever, not unknown. So anybody who claims their DNA sample sequence is unknown is... This isn't broadcast TV, right? Right. Uh, they're full of shit. I mean, it it's falls in one of those kingdoms. You know, it's archaeal or bacterial or fungal or animal or plantae or something. Mm-hmm. It's not unknown. There's no unknown DNA. We have the roots of the tree of life worked out. So to literally claim a sample is unknown is you're obfuscating it or just lying. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So there's no unknown. You could say it's vertebrate, it's animal, whatever, but you can't say it's unknown. Because it doesn't have a 100% match with human or chimp or orang. That's called variation. That's the four of us, you know. Um, but you can't call it unknown. And that's, I've seen this. They're like, oh, it didn't match GenBank. It's unknown. What did it most closely match? Well, human.
1: You know. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so, fine. Human. Leave me yeah. alone.
5: Yeah, no, but I mean, it's, so that is another. It, that's a huge, huge problem in just sort of playing semantics. We did not find this DNA in the database. Well, that's because you're not in it. You've not been arrested yet. Yeah. <laughs> yes. And if you were in Britain, you'd be in the database.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Great point. But
5: not in the U.S. you got to have a felony conviction. <laughs> so, then you're in the database.
4: So, so, it depends where you are. We've got um a few questions from listeners that I've pulled off the uh, Facebook forum.
5: I I saw a couple, and there there were I some of them are good.
4: So here here we go. Let's, let me I'm going to throw these out to you. Okay, you ready? Okay. The first one's from Duncan Crombie. It says, I recently read, or maybe I heard, I can't remember, reports of patients with certain genetic diseases having polymorphisms related to expansions of parts of the genome which do not match publicized genome sequences. Has something like this been ruled out?
5: Well, again, that's what I said. Variation. The four of us differ. Any human on this planet is going to differ from any other, including identical twins. If you sequenced identical twins, complete genomes, they're going to differ at a few places. And that's not counting what we call epigenetics, this whole thing where you could have the same DNA sequence, but it's going to have a different action upon you because of your family history, your own history, etc. But so... Yeah, my sons clearly have some differences that are not found in my wife and I. Those are new differences. They're not new species. Well, maybe the older one. But the younger one surely is not a new species from me, even though he has differences in his DNA because of new de novo mutations since either... When after fertilization or, you know, once those sperm or egg cells were expelled and changes occurred, they're going to be different. So that's tiny and trivial to have individuals who are unique. I mean, we are literally all unique. So that's not going to explain Bigfoot.
0: Okay, well, we've got another question from Scott David Hamilton. Can a DNA test distinguish between more than one animal in a sample? I'm guessing they try to take a sample from something that can only be from one animal, but let's say a small human hair is attached imperceptibly to a goat hair, and both are broken down in the sample. Will a result come up as a goat person, or can the test pull both genomes out?
5: Absolutely, it will. So many of our samples, and when you look at the Neanderthal and Denisovan samples that they've done, you. So if if so, Karen, if you pulled a goat hair out of a goat, or you're hiking along a trail and you pick up a goat hair, uh-huh. and you put it in an envelope and bring it to me, I probably will get a lot of goat DNA, and some of your DNA. We are going to detect the contamination.
0: I see.
5: And I'm not going to say, you know, it's a goat person. (laughs) I'm going (laughs) to say it's more likely a person who picked up a goat hair.
0: Yeah,
5: yeah. So we would definitely detect multiple signals. And the really important thing here is we could look at certain parts of the genome, which you only have one copy of, you know, that you're very unique for. Mm -hmm. And I could see the same gene, I got the goat version of the gene and the human version of the gene for the very same region of the genome for which there's only one copy in the genome. And I'll know that I have a mixture of two genomes, not a hybrid.
1: All right, we've got one other question also from uh, Scott David Hamilton. His question is, um, what does it mean when crypto-friendly sources say that some or another DNA sample is human, whether this or that area of the genome isn't? Um, are those significant anomalies or just expected variants?
5: So about, in, I can't remember if it was in very late 2010 or early 2011, The gorilla genome was sequenced, and several years earlier, the chimp genome was sequenced. It turns out, as I was telling, I was saying earlier to you guys about what's your mom's history, what's your dad's history, you know, they're both your histories. If we go back six or even eight million years, some parts of our, so while you and I, modern humans, are more closely related to chimpanzees than chimpanzees are to gorillas, a certain percentage of our genome is actually more closely related to that of gorillas, and a certain percentage of the chimpanzee's genome is more closely related to that of gorillas. Because in evolutionary times, humans and chimps splitting approximately 6 million years and gorillas splitting from the two of us, about 8, only about 70% of the genome has this clear signal of human and chimp. 15% of the genome says human gorilla and 15% of the genome says chimp gorilla. And so... For closely related species, there is what you could misinterpret as a mixture, which is really just our long-term, slightly confusing evolutionary history. Again, literally the difference between your mom's side of the family and your dad's side of the family. But going back to gorillas and chimps. Does that make sense? It does. does.
4: Yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. We've got one more question. I'm have to. uh, I'm going to extrapolate again. His his question, I think, is partial. Um, He's asking about the number of chromosomes being the same, and I assume he's talking about the fact that humans have 46 chromosomes, whereas gorillas, chimpanzees, and orangutans have 48. And so So we don't really know from the press release what the
5: fess up to one of my grand theoretical failings. About, I can't remember if it was 2006 or 2008, I predicted Neanderthals had 48 chromosomes, just like chimpanzees, gorillas, and orangutans. It was just a theoretical prediction, but at that time, we didn't think we had hybridized with Neanderthals at all. And yet we know we overlapped with them. We know we're very similar. Um, You know, Karen, you're from, is it Australia or New Zealand? Can't remember. Australia. So, you know, sheep and humans, you know, things happen. Um, So it seemed extraordinarily unlikely that humans and Neanderthals never made it. And yet, until two years ago, we had no evidence of that genetically at all. Even though we had ancient mitochondrial DNA from 25 Neanderthals, there was no overlap. So I posited in a paper that they still had 48 chromosomes and therefore were sort of like horses and donkeys. They could produce offspring, mules, but they never got grandchildren. But with the new sequence that they recently collected from the Denisovan, the forty thousand year old sample from Siberia, they got such a high quality genome they were able to show that it had forty eight chromosomes, and or I'm sorry, forty six. And the Denisovans are more closely related to Neanderthals than to us, and so. That it makes sense that Neanderthals also had forty six. So at least for the last six hundred to a million years, it looks like we had forty six chromosomes like we did. So if Sasquatch is a Neanderthal or other kind of human, now the most likely estimate would be it has forty-six chromosomes like us and therefore more likely to be able to hybridize. If it is indeed an orangutan or related to an orangutan, gigantopithecus, whatever you wanna whatever scenario you want to weave, clearly it's most likely to have forty-eight chromosomes. So there would be a huge problem of hybridizing an orangutan relative to a human relative, or us, if there was this chromosomal incompatibility. So this is the the new studies of Neanderthal genomes and Denisovan genomes actually further strengthen the case of it'd be very difficult to hybridize with anything related to an orangutan. So if this is indeed a hybrid, it would mean that... It, well, it would make that far less likely. If Sasquatch was a pongid or a pongine, i.e. related to Gigantopithecus, it would sort of force Sasquatch to be related to humans and Neanderthals, in which case they became... Giants, as opposed to starting out giants and just remaining that way.
4: Um, just quickly the, for the listeners who don't know, can you uh, explain what a Denisovan is a little bit? Because that's a really so, cool thing. That's very new.
5: So the Denisovans are a new group. It's in well, we don't, we haven't even given them a species name, so we just call them Denisovans, much like we say the word Neanderthal. So. About three years ago, a literally a pinky finger of a young girl and two molar teeth were discovered in a cave in Siberia that dates to, if I'm not mistaken, about 40,000 years ago. They had extremely high DNA preservation. And so they were actually to use the same techniques they used to recover the Neanderthal genome to get this Denisovan genome. And it was very shocking that it turned out the Denisovan genome was related to the Neanderthals, but quite distantly, and even more distantly related to us. So it looks like for to make to make it To oversimplify it, a couple hundred thousand years ago, you had Neanderthals living in Europe, a group we're just temporarily naming Denisovans living in Asia, and then modern humans living in Africa. Yet, we all hybridized to a very tiny amount when modern humans left Africa When they ran into Neanderthals in Europe or Denisovans in Asia, there were a few mating events. This wasn't, you know, Clan of the Cave Bear. This was a couple dozen events over thousands of years of mating so that some people have a couple percent of their DNA, but not a lot of it. But this is, we we have the tip of a pinky and two molar teeth, which just don't tell us anything about these people, except we have their whole genome. We know that they had relatively dark skin, um... You know, we know their eye color, their hair color, their skin color. We know genes in their immune system. Yet we know nothing about their morphology. Were they heavy and stocky like the Neanderthals? Were they light and linear like modern African? Well, modern humans who came out of Africa, we know nothing about them at all. Except from their genes, which is a really fascinating new Perspective to think of knowing about a creature only from its DNA <laughs> and nothing about its skeleton.
4: Yeah, just, just the, the, the Denisovans Denise yeah. and Bigfoot, right? Yeah. <laughs> I got a quick question while I got you here. Uh, I, I know Ben and Karen have uh, some, some closure stuff, but I, seriously, I keep hearing, you know, we share. Between 96 and 98 percent of the same uh, DNA as chimps, and then I also keep hearing we share about four percent of the DNA with Neanderthal. How is that make any sense? Okay, so here here's the difference.
5: It's overall we're like one or two percent different from chimps overall then that 4%, it's its 1 to 4%, it's 2.5% on average for non-Africans. And since I know who you guys are, I, I'm pretty much guessing that you're of various levels of European um, extraction. Um, of the variation within... In modern humans, so now this is the difference of within and between. So between us and chimps, we're 1% or 2%. But within all living people, on average, in Eurasia, i.e. Europeans and Asians, there's about 2.5% shared variation with Neanderthals. So if you put that into the chimp context, you got to take that two point five percent and multiply it by the you know one point five percent between humans on average and chimps. And so, you know, yes, Neanderthals have some chimp DNA, but it's point oh two whatever percent. So it's the difference of within and between. So between us and chimps, it's one or two percent. But within all living people, only two and a half percent of Eurasians is shared with Neanderthals. Does
1: that that make sense.
5: sense? Okay, good.
1: All right, I got one question for you. Just sort of um, one last question in terms of the, the wrap up on all this. Again, the these claims about Bigfoot DNA have been around for a while. Uh, the the Ketchum results in particular have been brewing um, or or stewing or festering for five years now. Uh, what what do you think? Um, what do you think is going to come of this? Uh, if we interview you and uh, if we're all talking in five or ten years and we're looking back on the on the Ketchum DNA fiasco, um, what do you think we're going to be talking about?
5: Well, my, my maximum likelihood or my most likely guess is that this is a fraud or bull. I'm sorry, you know. Again, um, without any data, there is nothing credible about this story. <laughs> you know. So if this was a prominent DNA researcher who had multiple publications and had demonstrated sequencing other animals, genomes, and all this other stuff, i like, well, I want to really see this paper. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, without any data. I mean, what technology was used to do these genomes? You know, how did they, anal- I mean, with you're, you're asking me to just guess about a blind claim <laughs> mm-hmm. with nothing to back it up. But the problem is, you know, if I wanted to screw with people, I could make some claims that would cause people to mull over them for months, if not years. But this 15,000 year old unknown primate mating with humans, that alone is suspicious. Mm-hmm. Because it doesn't seem possible. You know, so the the whole picture put together, and this is prior to Googling
1: catch <laughs> 'em. Um It
5: only you know, got
1: better from there, right? Oh, flying
5: spaghetti monster. If Jeff Meldrum said my colleague at the University of Idaho in the biology department sequenced this and told me this, I would have to listen to it and then say show me the data yeah. but with a press release from a private for profit company who knows if they're getting paid for interviews etc um, you know I'm just I'm not there um, mm-hmm. let's, let's call me skeptic dude
0: well, just a final question, Todd. Uh, you were actually our very first guest on the show. And since the third or fourth show, we've been asking our guests to tell us what their favorite monster is. So, Todd, what's your favorite monster? The Mongolian deathworm. Ooh, that's a good one. Oh yeah. <laughs> Nice choice. Have you seen the pictures?
5: It's straight out of Dune. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh-huh. uh, you know, Adam Davies, he's my bro. He's, he's a friend. I've analyzed his samples. I'm hoping to work with him in the future. Um, and I want to go to Mongolia. I'm a big Genghis Khan fan. My dog's name is Temujin after <laughs> Genghis Khan um he's a golden retriever after the golden horde um i want to see one of these dune creatures
4: awesome <laughs> i hope you get the chance to if
0: anyone can find it yeah, yeah.
4: watch out yeah. for the lightning and the death is it the glade yeah well,
5: the- you yeah, know there, yeah. there's that but um, I'm, I'm ready to go to mongolia and look and, it, and if not yeah. i just have some awesome vistas to remember and look over while yeah. drinking fermented uh mare's milk. Yeah,
4: it, it was
1: right. <laughs> so, Yakiran or yeah. something.
4: Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I, I think it, uh yeah, if it, it is it poops lightning and spits uh death or or is it is death glare? I it just sounds like Pecos bill. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs>
5: exactly.
4: <laughs> <laughs> so. Awesome. I think
5: I met that guy in New Orleans right. <laughs> on Saturday night.
4: <laughs> well, Todd, I mean honestly, we've been looking for an excuse to have you back. So it's really great for you to join us on this and uh really appreciate it. It was a wonderful interview.
5: So again, I, I, I can't talk about it on air, but maybe in a year to eighteen months we will do an awesome one again.
4: <laughs> awesome. Can't wait for it. You and other mysterious scientists were there. I can't talk about sits.
5: Yeah, that? well, I, I <laughs> learned this from NASA. they are like, oh, we got a huge announcement. Yeah. Maybe. It may be. Maybe. Maybe. Yeah, possibly,
4: yeah. Or maybe not. Yeah, could be. Yeah. yeah.
0: Monster Talk.
4: Well, thanks for listening to another episode of Monster Talk. You've been listening to Blake Smith, myself, and Ben Radford and Karen Stolzno as we interviewed Dr. Todd Dishotel about the Melba Ketchum DNA press release. Monster Talk is produced with the assistance of Skeptic Magazine. While we agree on many things, the opinions and ridiculous intros of this show do not necessarily reflect the opinions or sense of humor of the Skeptic Society or Skeptic Magazine. Thanks again to all the people helping out with our transcription project. We really appreciate it. Monster Talk theme music is by Pete Stealing Monkeys. Hopefully see you real soon.
2: you can now subscribe to skeptic magazine digitally just grab our free skeptic magazine app currently compatible with ios android pc mac kindle fire kindle fire hd and blackberry playbook head over to skeptic.com magazine slash app to find out more and download more of your favorite skeptic content
0: I did, and you said ron Lindsay there earlier didn't you
2: did i Robert, Robert Lindsay.
0: No,
4: just joking. (laughs) Oh, you're making a joke. Sorry, sorry. Yeah, Yeah. you're you're taking because it wasn't a bad pun. You're taking the piss out of me. (laughs) That's Australian for asshole.
2: (laughs) Yes, it is.